the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dear heart, if all we have to think of is what we have today, if all that we have to live for is what we're able to live for today, then life, in a way, has lost its definition for personal meaning. See, Jesus came to show us that there is life abundant that we can receive. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today on Reaching Your Heart, we conclude When War Began, the first installment in the Cosmic Controversy series. And don't forget, you can find this entire series under the archives at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Chrysalid, beryl, an onyx, sapphire, and carbuncle, and emerald, and wrought in gold were your settings and your engravings on the day that you were created. They were prepared. I mean, it's very clear he was in Eden. And he was prepared and placed in a heavenly paradise, the heavenly Eden, with these tremendous treasures on his person. Now, we know what those treasures are. Those stones that were placed on Lucifer are, in fact, the stones on the breastplate of the high priest. He was created to be a religious leader. He was created to reveal God like a high priestly figure to the universe. And he was placed in Eden at his creation. The next verse says he was in the holy mountain of God, identifying it with Eden. Eden and the mountain of God are treated by Isaiah as the same thing. So when we speak of Eden, we must not speak of it here first. It was there before it was here. In the Bible, Mount Zion represents the heavenly paradise, which is the place where angels meet for worship and praise. Hebrews 12.22 is a very illuminating verse. It comes after the ascension of Christ, describing what transpires in heaven. But you have come to Mount Zion... To the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable angels in festal gathering. Now some people say, what in the world do angels do? Do you realize that angels party? Am I, what does the word festal mean? It means festivity. They come to church, they're grateful, they sing praises. But life for them in paradise, because it's there, is praise, worship, festivity, life, interaction, It is real living. And so they come from wherever they're at. They come together to meet and experience that. I tell you, that could suck you in. That's why I want to come to church. I don't want to come to church just to hear a sermon. I want to come to church to interact, to have joy in my life, and to experience in the lives of others, to share and to feel the sharing. In Revelation 12, the place of festal gathering became the place where the war began. Paradise became a problem. In Revelation 12, 7, it says war arose in heaven. Paradise became a battlefield with lives on the line in an eternal kind of way. So right there at the center of the universe, where the great creator who made it all resided, where the most mighty beings that are possible could come, sin started in the presence of God. 
When Adam and Eve encountered Satan, he had been reduced to a serpent in form. We know the story. They find a serpent there at the tree. And Revelation 12 is very clear, that ancient serpent, the devil. And we see him in Genesis deceiving Adam and Eve. Revelation 12 says he was cast to the earth. It may come as a shock to know that certain kinds of angels called seraphims resemble serpents. You didn't expect that, did you? The word seraphim in Hebrew is a plural form of the Hebrew seraph, which means burning one. The word seraphim occurs four times in the book of Isaiah. Now, it's used for serpents that sting in the Exodus story. Remember when they were stung by the serpents in the wilderness and they put a serpent on a pole? Whoever looked at the pole would live. Those serpents were called seraphims. In Isaiah 6, 2-6, the seraphim, this same Hebrew word, is used for angels who sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. In the Hebrew of Isaiah 14, 29, and Isaiah 30, verse 6, you can write those verses down, the serpent is called a flying seraphim, the exact same word that you have in Isaiah 6 for the seraphim who are the angels that serve in the presence of God. The serpent, seraphim, and Isaiah have wings and they fly. Now, I didn't think a serpent could fly until recently. I found a YouTube video of a serpent that is able to glide and fly from one tree to the other. Have you ever seen that? I mean, it blew my mind away to see that. A serpent seraphim in Isaiah can also be a dragon in the context. So a serpent seraphim can become a dragon in the right kind of setting. So there are angels who look like serpents. That's what Isaiah is saying. And people who have studied the ancient text of Isaiah realize this is happening there. An angel who looks like a serpent can become in time a dragon too. Now what makes a serpent look like a serpent to us? Isn't it really the fact that on earth when it bites you, you know, you know what it means? I think what's happening is ideas are converging. Something that can fly and a serpent is a symbol of wisdom and of acuity and other things. You put it all together in the garden and the serpent of Eden was a fallen angel. That's what's happening here. One of the seraphim, one of the burning ones who stood in the presence of God. Ezekiel tells us that Lucifer, that fallen angel who used to walk in the midst of the stones of fire, that he became the ancient serpent. And here we find him in Revelation 12, thrown to the earth. The Bible teaches in 1 John 1, 5 that God is light. In Daniel 2, the prophet says light dwells with him. And in 1 Timothy 6, 16, Paul tells us that God dwells in light that no man has ever seen or can see. And we know from Einstein's theory of relativity... That light is ancient. It does not age. That light shares no time dimensionality. You cannot take light. It is as old today as it was when it started its journey. God dwells in light. That is why the Bible calls him the ancient of days. In James 1.16, James, the brother of Jesus, calls God the Father, the Father of lights. In Hebrews 12.29, the Bible says that our God is a consuming fire. In Daniel 7.9, a river of fire comes from God's throne to destroy the fourth beast at the end of time. In Ezekiel 10, 2, the prophet saw burning coals of fire at the throne of God in the presence of the cherubim. That's the coals of fire the seraphim walk in, and Lucifer walked in the midst of them. In Revelation 9, 14, God releases four angels at the end of time to unseal the book of Daniel, prepare the world for the end. And these four angels carry fire and sulfur, again, stones of fire, as they ride for judgment on horses with tails like serpents with heads on them. You cannot separate this imagery from angels. There are angels who look like serpents. Now, Lucifer was a seraphim, so he was at home in the fire of God's glory. 
Ezekiel 28.18 tells us that he once walked in the midst of the stones of fire. He was created in the fire and for the fire of God's presence to shine as a bright and brilliant child of God for the benefit of the universe. He was the son of the light, the son of the dawn that is the light that made everything that is made. He was created by the primordial light and he covered the glory of God and he burned bright with a light that did not start with him. He had derived light in his life. Isaiah 14, 12 describes it. How are you fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn? How are you cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low? The word day star in Isaiah 14, 12 is Lucifer in the Latin, and it means light bearer. Lucifer was the son of the dawn. He was not the dawn. He didn't come before the dawn. He was the son of the dawn. And Paul tells us that Lucifer at the end of time masquerades as an angel of light because he really belongs to the night. He's not really a true angel anymore in God's sense of the word. He's an evil fallen one. He was the first one who was created after the dawn, but he was not the one who is before the dawn. Now, what star comes before the dawn? He's called the day star. That comes after the dawn. What star comes before the dawn? The bright and morning star. You see, there was another light brighter than him. There was a torch in the night that came before him. And it takes us all the way to the last chapter of the Bible to find out who this is. God holds back that truth until the scriptures are finished. And then in Revelation 22:16, he unveils the truth. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. Lucifer was the son of the dawn, but he was not the light that comes before the dawn. His light was borrowed light. Christ's light is original and underived light. Christ is the light of God that has no beginning before the dawn of time. That's why the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews 1 that he created the time ages. The fabric of the fourth dimension of time and space, according to the Bible, was created by the bright and morning star who is Jesus Christ. Lucifer was the light bearer who is the son of the dawn. He was not God. He's been trying to be what he is not for centuries. Christ was the Son of God that has no dawn because he comes before the dawn of time. The bright and morning star, dear heart, is the one who made everything. Lucifer fell from heaven. Now he only burns with venom because he is a bitter being who is hell-bent on burning you. He wants to share his nature, and he has with our human family, but he wants to drag you down, prevent you from ever knowing who is the hope and source of your future. Revelation 12.9 says, Lucifer was thrown to the earth and his angels with him. Revelation 12, 7, the protagonist and the antagonist in the war identified in the book of Revelation, very clearly identified. The Bible says Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and his angels. It doesn't take a genius to figure out in verse 7 that Michael is the opposite of the dragon, that Michael is the one that engages him in war and defeats him in heaven. Important question, we must answer it really. Here's the important question Who is Michael? I mean, it's clear he's the one who has engaged the devil. Who is Michael? Whoever he is, he's the one who has the power to defeat the devil here, very clearly. He's the one who is wiser and more powerful than Satan in Revelation 12. He's the one who stood for God in heaven. It would not be fair to end the sermon today without identifying who Michael is. The heavenly commander Michael only occurs in the Bible in three books. In the book of Daniel... The book of Jude, which comes just before the book of Revelation, 
and the book of Revelation itself. That's it. That's all we have from the Bible. And I think to be fair here, let's leave all the tradition, all the Dead Sea Scrolls, all the intertestament books like the book of Enoch and all the apocryphal books and all the stuff that comes later out of the question. Taking our Bible, that's what we have to interact with. In the book of Daniel, Michael is identified as the only prince who can overrule the demonic prince of Persia. I mean, Gabriel can't put him down, but Michael can. In Daniel 10, 13, he's called one of the chief princes in the Revised Standard Version. The Hebrew can also read Michael, number one of the chief princes. So of all of heaven's sons, he is number one. In Daniel 10, 21, Michael is Daniel's prince who works with Gabriel to defeat evil. In Daniel 12, 1, Michael is the prince who will stand up and rescue God's people in a final resurrection of the dead at the end of time. Let's look at the verse, Daniel 12, 1. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life. I mean, there's no getting around this. Michael delivers. Michael is the one who guards God's people. Michael is the guardian of the people of Israel, and of those who will be resurrected at the end of time. Michael delivers, and he delivers in verse 2 in the context of a resurrection. In Daniel 12, 1, Michael is the heavenly prince who has charge of the children of Israel. That means he's the guardian protector of the Jewish nation and of God's people. Now, John identified who is the guardian protector of God's people. In John 1, verse 9, he says, The true light that enlightens every man was coming in the world. Now, why do we say the true light? Because there was a deceiver who claimed to be the true light. He was Hillel ben Shachar in Isaiah 14. Lucifer, light bearer, son of the dawn. But no, he says in verse 9, the true light that enlightens every man was coming in the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. He came to his own home and his own people received him not. Christ was the guardian and protector of Israel, according to the Gospel of John. Pastor Michael Oxentenka will continue in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-supported program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Or you can stop by our website, reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Let's get back to the broadcast now. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenka with more of today's Reaching Your Heart. The ancient Jewish people knew that Michael was the guardian protector of Israel. They read Daniel, so they figured out that he was the guardian protector. And so what John is saying is, that being that protected Israel in the Old Testament is Jesus, the true light that created all things. In the book of Daniel, Michael is the guardian. In Jude 9, we find Michael again with a title attached to his name. Turn with me to Jude, verse 9. We only have one chapter in Jude, so just verse 9. 
Now remember in Daniel 12, 1, Michael rescues his people from the dead. In Jude 9, Michael is doing the same thing as he contends for the body of Moses. Now Moses died. Now Moses was alive when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration in a body right next to Elijah who never died, who was taken to heaven without dying. Now how did he get there? How did he get from the grave to the Mount of Transfiguration? And we have the answer here in verse 9. We see Michael battling the devil for the body of Moses. Jude verse 9, but when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, disputed about his, the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a reviling judgment upon him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Michael is called the archangel in Jude 9. Now, this word archangel only occurs in two places in the entire Bible. I know because I did a computer search of this. And one of them is right here. So let's look at it. We don't need any extra kind of extra biblical material to interact with this text. Michael is the archangel. Do you see that? So verse 9, Michael is called the archangel, period. It doesn't say Michael an archangel, does it? Does it say that? No, it says the archangel. The archangel means there's only one. In Jewish tradition, there are many. But the Bible doesn't support that view. There's only one. That's why it only occurs two places in the Bible. This verse tells us the archangel. You can use the Bible to come up with all kinds of things you like to. But here, it makes you come to a conclusion there's only one. Now, what does the word archangel mean? It comes from two Greek words that create the meaning here. So let's put it together. The first word arch means ruler. And the second word angel means angel. That's not very complicated. The word means ruler of the angels or the angel ruler. So that's why there's only one. There's only one being who rules the angels. Time and time again the Bible teaches that Jesus is the ruler of the angels. This word archangel only occurs one other place in the Bible and it refers to Jesus in that other place. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. This is the second coming. With a shout, with the voice of the archangel. It doesn't say an archangel there, does it? It says the archangel, which means there's only one. And with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now the Bible is not deceptive. The Bible says he has the voice of the archangel. It means it's coming from his throat. It's coming from him, which makes him what the Bible calls the archangel. Paul says the archangel is the Lord himself. Now, what does that mean? It means Jesus is the ruler of the angels. Don't allow some tradition to mess up the point here. Christ has the voice of the archangel. In Daniel 12:1, Michael saves everyone whose name is found written in the book. We learn in the book of Revelation, that book is the Lamb's book of life. It belongs to Jesus. In Jude 9, Michael is the archangel, which means the ruler of the angels, or the angel ruler, which means he's more than an angel. You can't just define him that way. In 1 Thessalonians 4.16, Christ has the voice of the archangel that can raise the dead. You can't raise the dead unless you're God. This notion that Michael is a created being is not in Scripture. You can't bring people back to life unless you are the resurrection and the life. And you really can't rule the angels unless you have a right to. He does. He was the ruler of the angels. Michael is not an angel as such. Michael is the angel ruler. That's why the book of Hebrews says Jesus is greater than the angels. In Revelation 12, 7, the protagonist in the great war is Jesus, who is the ruler of the angels. He's the one who defeated the devil and threw him out of heaven for the first time. 
He's the ruler of the angels and he's the one the devil hates the most. The great controversy is a controversy between Michael and the devil, or better put, between Christ and Satan, because we have come to know him as Jesus Christ. According to the book of Revelation, the great war in that class 5 civilization is the war between Christ and Satan. And that extraterrestrial war came here when the devil was thrown to the earth. The fiery serpent seraphim, Hillel ben Shachar, Lucifer, is here. And that's why Jesus came here. He came to take back a dominion that was taken from him. Christ came here to die on a cross, defeat the dragon morally. To show that God can descend and God can become a servant for all and die to bring people back to him. So he came here so he'd have the right to resurrect his people and bring them back to Eden at the end of time. I'd like to end with two verses. Revelation 2.16. Jesus is speaking. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And then 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed for you were straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. The only way to win the war is to align with the guardian protector who is ancient, who was the brightest star of all, who is the mighty shepherd king, who came to this world to be one of us, who broke the boundaries of time and space and became one of us. So the family of heaven, the family of earth have a right to be one again. He is the guardian of your soul and he can resurrect you at the end of time. He's the reason to live forever. Jesus has the power to defeat the devil because he already has. He came home two weeks after he left it. He came home after he'd been beaten up by the storm. We hear a lot about those who died in the storm, but his story is not the story of death, but a tale of life. He came home after he was beaten badly by the storm and should have died in the woods. He came home. He came home to his master, who was the guardian protector of his life all his life. Mason is a terrier mix, lifted off the ground. A little dog lifted off the ground, thrown high into the sky, taken up by a whirlwind, and carried miles away as a tornado ripped through Alabama and then hurled him to the ground. He should have died in the storm, but he lived. Two weeks later, two weeks later, they found little Mason at the porch of the house that had been devastated that belonged to his master. He'd come home. It took him two weeks to come home. And the master would go back and he found his little dog. His two front legs were broken with compound fractures so every step home hurt for that little dog. Now if you get on YouTube, you can watch that dog before they fixed it. It was wobbling on those legs. It's pitiful. They're compound breaks. A pitiful look. He came home that way. In fact, he didn't walk home. He knelt every step on his knees, hurt as he pitifully stumbled home. He didn't run home. He didn't walk home. With pain... He crawled home. He stumbled home. One thought brought the little dog home, the thought of his master, the feel of his master's hand on his furry head, the look of his master's eyes into his eyes, the sound of his master's voice, good little boy. He remembered that home is a safe place with food and a deep dish in his master's house. Dear heart, you may have wandered far away from home. You may be lost and you've come to know that you are lost. In the great war, there are many storms. There are many souls, and everyone is precious to God. And maybe one of them has carried you. One of these storms has carried you away from Jesus and the shepherd and guardian of your soul, and you're just caught up in it. 
And maybe you're on your knees today, or you go home and pray, and every step back to God for you on your knees hurts a lot. Maybe it's difficult to pray. You know, my mother, when she died a couple weeks ago, I found it hard to pray. I really did. I mean, I'm a preacher. I'm supposed to pray. I found it hard to pray. And we've got to pray when it hurts sometimes, don't we? So get on your knees, and if it hurts to pray, pray. So maybe on your knees today, and every step back to God on your knees hurts a lot. Let it hurt. Let it hurt and come home to God anyway. Just come home and let Jesus be what he must be, the guardian protector of your soul and life. He's not just waiting for you to come home. He's on the road as you find your way home on your knees back to God. He comes to you. And like Job in that first Bible account of a great war in heaven, you can find him in the storm. Like Job, you can see the whirlwind and set your questions aside that get in the way and on your knees that hurt, find him in the storm. But more profoundly, God can find you in the storm of the great war that has many storms. Revelation 12, 7, now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they were defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. Dear heart, there is a place for you in heaven. Come home. That will conclude When War Began, the first installment in the Cosmic Controversy series. And don't forget, you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe in prayer. We believe in the God who answers our prayers and meets our needs. Each week, we are standing by to receive your prayer requests and seek God with you. His word declares, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Call our prayer line today with your requests, and our team will join you in seeking that the God of heaven will meet each one of your needs. Our telephone number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today, and as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.